0: Welcome to The Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to another edition of The Readerly Report. Today, Gail and I are going to be chatting about characters and novels that take place in middle age. And... Before we get to that, of course, we will let you know what we've been up to reading wise. So, Gail, why don't you start us off with that? Oh,
1: I actually don't have a huge amount to update on since we last talked. I just have had a little bit of travel and a bit kind of a busy stretch. But did I talk about the Light Pirate? Oh, so. that's recorded. Sound oh my God! Okay, the Light Pirate is cli-fi about
0: I mean, Florida. Did a
1: little bit. Okay. Well, I finished it, and I can talk about it. And I have to tell you, this was a five star book for me. Is yeah, this the first one of the year. I think Spare. I think I rated Spare five stars too. Oh,
0: so okay. So
1: I think it's number two. And this one, I sort of vacillated between four and a half and five, but I'm going to give it the five because it's about it's about a, a girl who's born on the on the night of a hurricane in Florida, and it tracks her life from that night into her old age. And during that time, it's basically about the destruction of the earth caused by climate change and how, you know, once the situation becomes irreversible and the storms become more frequent and more violent, just, it's just about what's going to happen to our world, our country and our world. And it's centered on Florida. And it's, first of all, it's beautifully written. So this is my first book by Lily Brooks Dalton. I know she's written other books, and I'm going to check them out, but it's beautifully written, and it's also so imaginative, and just the way she depicts this world, and, you know, the breakdown of little by little, the things that we sort of use to define like a civilized society, and how, in the face of just nature's destruction, they become completely irrelevant. It's chilling it is like i keep thinking you know what is it that's gonna like jolt the world into action on climate like you know stats aren't doing it like sort of the the trajectory of temperatures when you look at like a a graph that shows temperatures going up or you know like reports is it fiction is that what's going to do it like is it going to take us having to imagine ourselves in these lives and what it, you know, what it will do. I don't know. I, I commend her for taking this on and for obviously trying to send a really important message. And I think she does it in a an incredibly creative and moving way. A very wee bit of magical realism to it, like really, really small. And that didn't, I, I was able to get through that. I don't know why I was sort of thinking four and a half stars, maybe because it took a little bit of time to get into it. Like it I wasn't like completely transfixed right from the start, but I really, really enjoyed it and just, I'm just kind of like in awe of what she did with it. So I think it's really good. And, and that's, that's my second five-star of the year.
0: So it's just a teeny bit of a slow burn. Perhaps. Just to get it Perhaps.
1: going. But when I look back on it, having finished it, you know, it made sense It's not like it's not uplifting at all. It's not a funny book. There, you know, sometimes like five star books, you sort of want them to like hit you on a lot of different like hit you in a lot of different places at one time or over the course of a novel. And this one is not like that. This one is like it's it's tough. There's not there's not levity, there's not lightness, there's not you know redemption really. But I think, as far as like a piece of literature that's trying to accomplish something or change minds or open minds, it has a bit of an agenda, and I think it does that really well. And so, for that reason, I would give this five stars. You know, you and I talk about that sometimes. Like, how do you evaluate a book? Like, is it is it just did I enjoy reading it, or is it did the author? accomplish what he or she set out to do. You know, and I know it's oftentimes it's a combination of a lot of different things, but like she accomplished what she set out to do so powerfully that I think like for that alone it deserves the five stars. Okay. So that's really my update. I am still reading J. Ryan Straddle's new book, which is Saturday night at the Lakeside Supper Club. I went to go see a friend earlier in the week and I left my book there, which, you know, for any like book person that's like <laughs> <laughs> horrifying. I was like, can you please overnight that back to me? But by the time she sent it back, I had left to go on a trip. So I got oh a little... Yeah, so it's not finished. So I'm I would say two-thirds of the way through that. And then I am reading the book that you're reading, which is I Have Some Questions for You by Rebecca Mackay. And I returned from my trip to a big Book of the Month box. I, I forgot what I ordered, and I thought I would open it. I'll do a little unboxing while we're on, on the podcast. I thought that might oh, be that sounds fun.
0: good. Yeah, okay, so. I have a few books cooking, uh, things I'm in the middle of, but nothing I'm really ready to talk about yet.
1: Okay, so let's do my book unboxing. All right, so excuse let's the noise. I'm cutting it open right now. I, th- I ordered three <laughs> this time. I don't think I've ever done this before. Except oh for like that. end of the year been, where you have a free one.
0: Must have been yeah. a good month.
1: Yeah. Oh, good. I just used my scissors and then I cut the top of the book, the, box. the oh, book no. that was underneath it. That's so annoying. They should put a piece of cardboard in. Okay. Okay. Hello, Beautiful by Anne Napolitano. This one I was persuaded to get despite the fact that I did not enjoy her first book, which was Dear Edward. I thought it was I thought meh. Nah, I'm not crazy about that book. But I've read some great reviews of this one. Have you heard anything about this
0: one? The name sounds familiar. And, and of course, I've been seeing Dear Edward on Apple+. Plus.
1: Oh, right. Right. Because the, the thing series. Is so. I think it's an homage to Little Women. It's about this boy. Oh yeah, good. Hear about that? Yeah, like sort of ends up in a family with three sisters. Like he is either dating someone who's one of the sisters, or he becomes friends with them. And so, or four sisters, and so he kind of joins, you know, or becomes like an honorary member of the family. But then there's some catastrophic family rift. Ooh, that sounds good. Okay. So I'm gonna give Anna Palotano a second a second try because of the reviews I got. Okay, that has a beautiful cover, and then this one has a beautiful cover. This is Pineapple Street by Jenny Jackson, which I think you and I had on one of our mm-hmm. preview episodes, winter preview episodes. So this is like a I think this is a rich people behaving badly book. It takes place in Brooklyn Heights, and it's about the peculiar unknowability of someone else's family. The Miles Between Haves and Have-Nots and the Insanity of First Love. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> i heard good things about that one. And then, okay, this is my main pick. Oh, Rootless by Crystal Zara Appiah. This one is a debut novel about a marriage in crisis that asks, can you ever be rooted in a home that's on the brink of collapse? takes place in London. There's a husband named Sam, a wife named Effie. And I guess their marriage is in crisis. Oh, they're from Ghana, and their marriage is in crisis. So that looked good, too. So that's three books to tempt me on my TBR from Book of the Month.
0: How have you been doing with your Book of the Month books? Remember, we were at one point, we were ordering them and not reading them, and which finally got me to say, to put my subscription on hold. It's kind of like been on hold for a long time.
1: I, I've, What I've tried to say to myself is, You don't need to order anything, like to feel really comfortable with skipping. So I would say I skip 50 to 60% of the time if I'm not totally taken with the book. The Light Pirate was a book of the month. So right now I'm really high on book of the month because that was a good pick. I don't know. You know, sometimes they end up on the TBR pile and I don't get to them. That definitely happens like fairly regularly. So I would say I'm doing marginally better because I've become a little pickier. But clearly I just bought three books, so... You know, not that biggie. Yeah. I mean, you know me. There's too way too many books in the house and I don't read most of them. Right. But I hear oh, you. Yeah. I think their picks have gotten, for me, My their picks have gotten difficult because every month there's a romance. There's mm-hmm. a thriller. There's some sort of fantasy, you know, something so like those three usually I don't, I sort of are automatic don't orders for me. And then there's usually one literary fiction, and if that doesn't look appealing, I'm likely to skip. And then I guess the fifth is a bit of a wild card contemporary fiction, like this one, Rootless. And so it's very hit or miss. I wish they would there was they've kind of flirted with offering more than five books and I wish they would uh they would stick with that because I think that was nice. Offering more
0: than five books?
1: Yeah, like there was one time there were seven books. Oh okay. and then I just like having more to choose from.
0: Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think if they're trying to span so many different categories, like you said, if you're basically someone who's going to choose the literary fiction pick, then if you don't like it, that one, you know, if it's not to your taste, then you're in trouble. Right. Or not in trouble, but skipping them on.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's really easy to get sucked into the, like, bookstagram Facebook conversations around book of the month and feel like oh my god oh my god I need to order something you know people get very excited by the at the end of the month about what's coming and then everyone's talking about what they picked so you're like oh I need to pick something but I just I've sort of just learned to resist that like it's just got to be right. what I'm in the mood for and uh, you know I don't need to buy it just because it's people are talking about it about book of the month but yeah sure? I think you're smart <laughs> keep it on hold. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. but again, like the light pirate was I think that was my December pick. And I'm so glad I got it. And I probably that is not a book I would have found on my own. I don't think I did read Mm -hmm. some reviews, but I know I'm pretty sure Catherine at Gilmore Guide really liked it. And so I'm sure I would have heard of it on my own just through podcasts that I listened to and other stuff. But I don't know that I would have bought it. And having it like front and center on my screen, I just clicked on it. And then I don't know what propelled it to my actually pick up and read it list, but I'm so glad that I did. It was, it was really a memorable book.
0: Okay. High praise for that. All one. right.
1: Yeah. Okay. Should we hop into our show? Anything else to talk about? No, Oscars are next hop, week.
0: Hop into, you said they were not book heavy, right?
1: They are not terribly book heavy unless you want to read women talking, which I tr- started and didn't finish. Well, I mean, I didn't even barely start it. I like read like t- sampled and didn't finish. Yeah, you're right. There's not a whole lot of bookish stuff in them, but they're just fun to watch. And I do an Oscar <laughs> pool every year.
0: So I'm kind of excited right. about that. How are you in your selections with the pool?
1: I haven't even looked at them. I've done nothing. Oh, wow.
0: I yeah. That's
1: okay. We're all yeah,
0: researching.
1: <laughs> well, I, gotta, I have a week. <laughs>
0: okay. <I have laughs> you're going to cram.
1: Yeah. Are you going to watch them? You
0: think or no? Probably not. I don't know. I dropped out of that whole movie Oscars thing a while back. I was always disappointed with what was winning. So, and for what? Yeah. I think that they do a little too much not giving people or people not getting the awards. I mean, I guess there can only be one winner, but someone will be nominated so many times for movies that you absolutely think that they should have gotten the award for. And then they get the award for something that you're just like, oh, well. (laughs) Yeah, that's a body of work uh, award. That was fine, but, you know, really not what you should have won for. Right. So, okay. So how did you do with finding books about people in midlife? I would have thought that I had a ton of choices. (laughs) And it makes me wonder how much I'm really, like, how much the diversity of my reading skews towards older people because I thought I had a lot of things, and but I don't feel like I had as, as many as I thought. So, luckily, we only okay, so on wait, four,
1: yeah. But wait, so you said you would have thought you would have had more, and then it turns out that the diversity of your reading skews toward older. So, are you reading about people I mean, who are no, older no, than
0: midlife, skews younger, Is that what you're th- or excuse younger? Oh, skews I younger, I think, that, I think it. it's a lot yeah. of early to late twenties, you know, sometimes <laughs> I feel like with the books I read, when you're reading about someone who's 35, it kind of feels like they're ancient just because even that is not as common as, you know, I don't know. A lot of books usually fall in the, when you're trying to build yourself or, mm-hmm. or when you're much older looking back, I find not a lot that's I, like right um, in the I'm middle gonna... for me.
1: Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I would have thought I would have had more too. And when I recommended this topic, I was like, oh, that's going to be easy. And then as I was sort of going through my list of books that I've read, I I think I agree with you. I've found a lot more about the, the 20s. I mean, it could just be that I read a lot of books about people in their 20s when I was in my 20s and 30s. So like, it may be that as I age, my reading will skew older. But I think you're right that a lot of the books we read tend to be about people building a life, coming of age, or early thirties like when you out who finally haven't,
0: when you haven't figured out what's going on.
1: Mm-hmm. It's not
0: quite a midlife crisis, but it's like a. That's usually one of those they mm-hmm. go home to find themselves book. You know, like washed up at thirty, and you mm-hmm. you go home and you re reignite mm-hmm. some old love you had, or something like that.
1: Or they're about early parenthood. right, like the stressors on a marriage of an early, you know, of young parenting. And, and uh, so for me, I don't know how you defined midlife for this episode, but i sort of was focusing on people like 40 and 50.
0: Yeah. I was thinking more and I almost text you to to be like, okay, what are we talking about here? Because I think Mm -hmm. the knee jerk reaction when we, we thought about this, or when you suggested this topic and I was like, oh yes, I have lots of things I might've been thinking about Maybe that parenting stage, you know, yeah, or a teenager. But really, when I think about midlife, I guess I'm kind of leaning towards your children are older teens, or at least in or in college, or are young adults, like more like the empty nest kind of stage. But yeah, 40s, 50. Yeah, I guess 50. I think the
1: way I defined it. Well, I think the way I defined it for this show was less of an age thing and more of a transitions thing where people or, or where people are at a point where they're looking back and forward at the same time. Like they're, they're kind of sandwiched between, you know, a few phases or they're, they're at a point where they're introspective about who they were when they were younger and is that who they are now? So I I did it sort of less by age and more by just, What's the like central themes thing that the character's searching for, yeah, themes like what what is the what's the what's the like tension, what's the angst, like what's the conflict going on here, and that was kind of how I defined it but i I think you're right it was it was hard, it was a little slippery to define, and that's why I thought this might when i when I was going through this, and I almost texted you as well, but then I was like well this would make this would make for kind of an interesting discussion. it's like how did we each come to this? you know, what, how how did we define it as we got to it?
0: I feel like I agree on terms of, you know, what you came to in terms of themes and like, what are the issues and looking for looking back, like, okay, I've completed this phase of my life. This is what I've learned. This is what I'm taking from it. And so as I went back and refined my list and, you know, just like, okay, when we're not thinking about people who are trying to figure out parenting or whatever, because, you know, for the, a lot of times that's early thirties, you know, mid thirties. So I think I did get to a a similar place in terms of phases of life completion. What am I going to do next kind of thing? So I think Mm it will be interesting. I'm I'm very curious to hear about what you picked.
1: (laughs) Okay. The ones I picked are not surprises. Like (laughs) the ones I have talked about a lot on the show. So, and that was hard too. And, and there's even one or two on my list and I'm not sure. I've got five, so I got to decide which one I'm going to kind of drop, but they're not even all books that I absolutely loved either. They're just ones that fit this theme pretty well. So there's a few that I loved and a few that I didn't love, but that <laughs> I figured merited conversation. Okay. Why don't you kick off? Cause I've talked about a gazillion books already.
0: Okay. So my first is Whereabouts by Jhumpa Lahiri. And this is about a woman, she's living in Italy. She is, I mean, this novel is basically about what her life looks like at midlife. And it's like the days in her life. So each short section, you know, covers like a different part of her day. You know, sometimes it's just as simple as going grocery shopping, or she walks across a certain bridge, or if she runs into a neighbor and has a conversation. So interspersed with all of these moments of her day that, you know, are just, lovely in the way that Jhumpa Lahiri articulates this woman's life and the small moments. And she's a teacher and interspersed with these are also like things that she's dealing with traumas from her past, her fraught relationship with her mother, you know, seeing, seeing how these things might have influenced her love relationships, how she views life, you know, where she wants to go next in her life is kind of based on this relationship that she has with her mom that we see in a lot of in a lot of flashbacks. I really enjoyed this book. I mean it's it's one of those novels that you could easily think it's not really about too much just because it is all of these things are told as she's walking across the bridge, as she's going to school, as she's traveling on a trip. But it's just like really interesting and beautifully rendered, and I really recommend this one.
1: I remember that you love that one and she is a must read for us too. Yeah. I need I need to add that to my <laughs> list. My first one is This Time Tomorrow by Emma Straub. And this is the book that's got time travel. I read it last summer. And it's about a woman who keeps re waking up on her fortieth birthday. Like she figures out a way to to travel back in time. Wait, sorry. Let I me mean, I'm going to start that over again because I completely screwed that up. Okay. So this is a book about a woman who figures out how to go back in time. She's 40 years old and she finds this portal that allows her to go back in time. And it always transports her back to the same day, which is her 16th Mm -hmm. birthday. And the reason that I picked this one is because in her present day, her father is basically dying. He's, he's in and out of the hospital and he's got you know something that's causing his health to deteriorate. And so what she does is she keeps kind of re-inhabiting her 16-year-old self to try to figure out if there's some way that she can save him in the future. Like is there some lifestyle thing that she can affect in her 16th birthday or her, as her 16-year-old self that will make him healthier when he's in his 70s and she's 40? And, you know, it's sort of, I think it's about like this, you know, we want to have this power to kind of change the, go back and, you know, chart different courses of life. And I just found it to be incredibly poignant. And, you know, there's not, there's not a lot of like relationship drama here. She has a really good relationship with her dad. He's he's a single dad. She's a great relationship with her best friend. And those two people are a constant and consistent source of, you know, friendship and love and support for her over the years. So it's not like there's, you know, multiple different ways things can go and life is going to dramatically change. It's just about her kind of holding on to these memories and this hope that like somehow she can make life different because she's hitting a really difficult thing that's going to come up ahead of her. And, you know, I, I love that sort of... the just going back and forth between 40 and 16 with the knowledge of a 40 year old, but back in a 16 year old's body. And I don't know, it just, this, this hit a lot of cylinders for me of things that I think about and, and sort of fantasize about, or think would be fun to write about. And so, you know, she basically wrote that book. So, you know, Emma Straub for me is hit or miss. I think you and I have, yeah, I felt that way. You know, I've, forgotten some of the, the names that, what was the name of the book she wrote before this one that took place in that town in Connecticut I forgot what it was called then there was all adults here I mean there's been some that have been better than others I think this is my favorite of hers
0: favorite isn't favorite of hers and or it favorite that like, you really like the book both
1: I really like the book and I this is my favorite one that she's okay. written. and I've probably read like four of them so this, I, I really recommend this one. And if, if you're somebody who's turned off by time travel, the time travel element of this one is not terribly, it's not like really scientific or confusing. It's just like, she's finds this like place where if she goes into this place and meditates for a little bit, she'll wake up at 16. So there's not, there's not a lot of crazy. not jumping around. It's not like Una out of order or time traveler's wife or things like that. So if you're, if you want like time travel light This is it. And if you do like time travel, I'm going to put it in a plug for Nicole and I did a time travel episode maybe a year ago, two years ago. That was we delved into a whole bunch of different time travel books. So if it is appealing, check out that episode.
0: Okay. The next book on my list is Before She Disappeared by Lisa Gardner. It originally started off as a standalone Novel. Lisa Gardner writes lots of, I guess you, you, they would be mystery suspense, and she has another prominent series. But this started off when I read it; it was it was the first book, or it was supposed to be one book, but you could see how it could be more. And I think she's now written a second one. It follows a middle aged woman, Frankie Elkin. She's a recovering alcoholic. She has lots of regrets. She has decided that she is going to spend the rest of her life kind of dedicated to helping victims of crime who are overlooked or who normally are not given a lot of resources for their cases to be solved. And she seems to be doing this out of some kind of penance for something that she has done in the past. It seems like you know that she's a reference to a friend and kind of like how she's wronged him. I feel like as the story or as the series develop, you'll get a lot more information in terms of, you know, what is making her run, what is making her almost punish herself in a way. She, she is helping give resources or whatever, but she always tries to, she lives as minimally as she can. So there's like not a lot of comforts in her life. And part of that I think is because she wants to infiltrate these communities where things happen and, you know, people, don't have the resources, the police don't necessarily care. So she tries to become a part of these communities as she's helping to solve the crime. So this first one is when she goes to a neighborhood in Mattapan in Boston, and there is a Haitian teenager, Angelique, who's disappeared from her high school. And so she starts asking questions and she's determined to find out what happened to her. her. And so, you know, to right a wrong and, and just to bring justice to this young woman. And it it was a really good book. She has the second one out. I, you know, want to make some time to read that because I really, really like this one. And it's just like so evocative of our theme for today where, you know, you've made it to midlife. You've, you have some choices you regret. And so the rest of her life, she has dedicated to making amends.
1: I don't know if I've ever heard you talk about this book before.
0: I'm pretty sure I did, but. Hmm. A little intriguing tale. Okay.
1: Yeah. I'm just, I just don't, I don't remember you talking about it. We talk about
0: Hmm. so many. (laughs) I know. So many. I know.
1: Okay. So my next one kind of an interesting pick for this category. And it's a book I've talked about a million times on the show. So if you are sick of me talking about 28 Summers by Elon Hildebrand, just skip ahead two or three minutes. But this one I really had to talk about for this category. So if you haven't heard me talk about this one before, it is about a relationship between a man and a woman who meet every year on Labor Day or Labor Day weekend for 28 Summers. And she lives there in a house. He is living in New York and then D.C. And for whatever reason, they don't feel like they can have a relationship out in the open. So they have this clandestine affair that happens once a year. And it tracks them starting in 1991 and it goes for 28 years. So I figured that that basically took her from around 21 years old to about, 50. So I thought that fit the bill for midlife. And I love this book. I love that every year you sort of get caught up on what's happened the year before. You, you know, hear different perspectives. You sort of get to experience what's, you know, what's happened to them, how their relationship changes, how, you know, what's important to them and how that changes over the years. And so I picked it for midlife because I like how it courses, it charts the the course of their different sort of life trajectories and life choices and how they look back later and do they have regret or are they happy with what they did? And I think that's, you know, a big part of midlife is kind of this like taking stock of what you've done and figuring out if you did the right thing. So this was a five-star book for me when I read it in 2020. I've recommended it a thousand times and got my friends to read it with me and they loved it. So I feel confident recommending it here on the show. So 28 summers by Elin Hildebrand still, or Hildebrand still remains the only one I've read by her. And I know there are many, many other ones and I have some other ones in the house, but everyone keeps telling me that they're not as good as this one. So then I, then I'm like, well, I don't, I don't want to (laughs) tarnish Elin Hildebrand
0: for me. So I loved it. Okay, my next book is one that I think that we both enjoy, The Paper Palace, by Miranda Kelly. <laughs> that was my Keller. next book too. <laughs> so then you get to use your fifth. You get to <laughs> use your so fifth funny. book then.
1: That's so fun! I was literally just pulling up my review of The Paper Palace when you
0: said that. So the paper, the Great, paper palace is, is. It is literally L is a fifty year old woman. She's happily married. She's the mother of three children, and she and her sister have basically grown up going to this, I don't know, this, this backwoods house. And I forget where it is, if it's like New Hampshire or somewhere, but she goes there with her sister. Like they've spent many family vacations there with, with their mother it's called, and they call it the paper palace. And the novel begins with her kissing and consummating, I guess, an affair of the heart that she has had with someone that she grew up with at the paper palace. They spent summers together, always have kind of been in love with each other, but circumstances have not allowed them to be with each other. But she, they, you know, they have their intimate moment. And the rest of the novel is about her decision. Like, what is she going to do? Is she going to stick with her loving husband and her family? There are three kids, you know, the family that they built or is she going to embark on this new and kind of promising relationship with this man, who she's always loved and who has always loved her? And as the story unfolds, it unfolds. There's quite a bit of flashback, where you get to see how Elle grew up with her sisters, the various traumas and oh, goings on in this small community over the summers. You know, the time that they spend at the Paper Palace. And how it informs some of the decisions that she makes, and her relationship with her mother, and I think ultimately this, the decision that's facing her—like, you know, should she stay or should she go—in terms of her marriage. But a lot happens in this novel. I found it to be really compelling, if a little, a little heavy on the tragedy, on the tragedy side. I mean, it was re- literally all oh, yeah. tragedies.
1: Relentless tragedy. So that was my issue with this book. Yeah. Perfect pick for this. This was on my list, but there's so much Mm -hmm. trauma. Yep. I totally agree with that. So what's next up? Okay. So next up for me, is it, this was one of the ones. No, I have two more. So this one for me was not a perfect book, but it fit this theme so well I had to do it. And it's called Mrs. Fletcher by Tom Parada. So this one I read in 2017 and it is basically, basically about a woman having a midlife crisis. So she's divorced. She has a son who is about to leave for college. So she's dealing with an empty nest and he goes away to college and she sort of like is left on her own and has this kind of like almost like a sexual awakening. She discovers porn. She takes a gender studies class. She sort of like a lot of parts of her life that have been dormant for a long time, wake up. And, you know, it's just about sort of how she is navigating this new stretch of life, just as her son, who was kind of like a, 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 sort of frat bro asshole type gets to college and realizes that like that doesn't really fly anymore and this was you know seven years ago and I feel like or six years ago when this book came out that like even more his behavior would be just you know completely not tolerated but it's kind of just about how they're both on this like sort of like self period of self discovery and kind of figuring out how to navigate new worlds and she is definitely you know very much entrenched in this new like midlife freedom and like what to do with it and how to find fulfillment in her life um there's you know the message of the book is really that like all different types of like sexual attraction is acceptable and you know I thought that that felt a little dated to me because I'm just sort of like well yeah duh like it's 2017, like we've known this for a while, but you know, and so there's kind of like that white male perspective on here. Cause that's what Tom Parada is, but I like his books generally. And I, you know, I, 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 this might not have been like my favorite of all of his books, but it was an easy read. And, you know, looking back, I do remember it pretty well and it's very much fits the theme of this show.
0: I really liked the HBO series of that. I was hoping there was gonna. Oh, I did not. I was that. hoping there was gonna be another season.
1: So it's a series based on this book. Because
0: mm-hmm. I'm sure I didn't read this hmm. book, but yeah, yes, I think it. What was it called, Mrs. Fletcher? I think it was called Mrs. Fletcher too. Surprised you yeah, didn't know about I think it. You're right.
1: I think I did, and then I like at one point, and then I forgot. Right.
0: Was it? Do you know how many? I don't episodes know, Somewhere it was? between six and eight. Hmm. Okay, I'll check it out. Yeah, I thought it was well done. And I, it was, I guess, on the bubble of the pandemic. So I don't know if it didn't find an audience or, you know, like so many shows that came out around that time. And, and maybe they had the potential to be series and just kind of like ended after one season. Right. Okay, so my next book is The Searcher by Tana French. <laughs> it is the literal definition of what we were talking about. This one is about. It, Detective. He was with the Chicago Police Department. He's divorced from his wife. He's estranged from his daughter. So he has all of these decisions in his life, you know, that he is kind of wary of or maybe regretful about some of his choices. He decides that he's just fed up with the police department. He retires. He's going to go and, you know, go to Ireland, where he's bought like this small farm and fixed up her house. And he's just going to chill there and live a quiet life when, of course, a case comes to him. You know, a young boy from the neighborhood comes and says that his brother is missing and will he help him? So he does. And he gets involved in the small town politics of one of the counties in Ireland where he's trying to find the missing brother. And so he's got a neighbor who's always giving him input. He is Running up to the locals and having conversations, you know, it's questionable whether they respect his authority or are even giving him proper information, or if they're just leading him astray. And so that's basically what this this novel is about. It was Tana French. She said that she kind of wanted to imitate an American Western. Of course, all of her books are set in Ireland, so it's an idea that she was looking to transplant and play with. This is probably this is far down. I love Tana French, but this is like down on my list of hers. I thought I found the execution a little bit clumsy. So I didn't love this as much as her other books, but in terms of the theme, you know, this is definitely it. A guy who is estranged from his family at midlife and just trying to make better choices or, you know, trying to improve himself in some way through this act of helping this young boy. And also, you know, reaching out to his daughter to see if he can make amends and, and get their relationship to a new place. So what's next up for you, Gail?
1: So my last one is Fleischman is in Trouble by Taffy Brodesser-Ackner, another show that was adapted for a series, and I've only watched like one episode of it. But this one falls a little bit into that category of young parenthood. And, you know, maybe skewing a tiny bit younger than some of the ones that we've talked about so far. But I think that it fits the theme so perfectly. So it is about a couple in New York. He's a doctor. She is a, God, what does she, she's an agent of some sort. I forgot exactly what she does. And, oh yeah, talent agent. And they have gotten, they're separated. And they have little kids, although they're not that little. I think one of them is actually 13. So they're, you know, kind of, that middle grade age. And basically the wife disappears. Like she's supposed to have the kids for this weekend. She drops them off at her husband, Toby's house, Toby's apartment, and basically sends him a text. That's like, I had, I'm leaving. You have the kids. And she disappears. Like she doesn't come back. And, you know, he's trying to deal with this busy life he's having. He's a doctor. He's dating a lot. And, and, all of a sudden now these kids are like foisted on him full time and he's trying to handle like, you know, how to deal with them just on a day to day thing. And then like, where has his wife gone? And I don't want to spoil, if you haven't read this one, I don't want to spoil, you know, what happens or why she left or anything, but ultimately it's a book about kind of like reckoning with relationship choices, life choices and figuring out like, you know, when is too much, too much, like, If you've, you know, when it's too much responsibility, too much to handle. And it just kind of raises a lot of different questions about the pressures on modern marriages between, you know, among working adults, especially living in a very expensive city where everybody is, you know, feeling stressed about money. Income disparity between couples and, you know, fights over childcare. So I thought this raised some really interesting questions about men and women and gender roles. I I have not watched the series beyond the first episode, and I have heard that it sort of takes a different approach from the book, which is too bad because I thought the approach of the book was great. So if you've only watched the series, I would recommend maybe also picking up the book because you, you might find that there are things that are in it that you missed from watching the series. And if you have not read or watched, I would start with the book. But this was I, was a really, really good book that I had a hard time putting down.
0: Okay. Well, I think that about does it for yeah. novels about middle life until we can come up. We each have four good, compelling ones to tell you about again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Then we'll come back with those. All right. Well, that's our show. And until next
1: time, happy reading. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Readerly Report. You can find all of our shows on iTunes or at thereaderlyreport.com. Please join our Facebook group, Readerly Report Readers, where you can talk to other listeners about their reading life. You can also find Nicole at nicolebonia.com and me, Gail, at everydayiwritethebookblog.com. Finally, we'd love it if you left us a review on iTunes and told your book-loving friends about us. Thanks.